This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and welcome to the Irish Time on the Manitou People's Radio here in Palmerston North. Uh, I'm going to be reading a wee bit of news of what's happening over in Ireland, North and South. And uh, I think the boys will be freaking out a bit of music in between. Anyway, what have we got here? Uh, calls for M50 toll to be scrapped. As almost 70, 170 million euros were made in profit last year isn't it, from toll roads. Over 300 million was collected in toll charges on Irish roads. 300. Uh, almost half of that sum was made on the M50. Uh, one of the MPs so had called for this to be scrapped. Says there's no need for it anymore. I doubt that very much if they'll drop it. A record high of 160, like 160, 170 million tolls came from the M50. Uh, the, da- the data shared with News Talk by Transport Infrastructure Ireland under the Freedom of Information Act shows the revenue collected from the 10, 10 tolls on motorways and national roads involved. That's, uh, I remember that when I was in, when I go down to Kells, mostly down to Dublin, about the tolls. I was always interested in that because I don't remember toll roads anywhere apart from, you know, continental Europe. You know, like the... Uh, I don't think I, I don't remember any in the UK. Certainly not in Northern Ireland. But that was a long time ago. It'll probably have changed since then. The M50 has already uh, paid over and over again by the people. So he wants them uh, to, to scrap it. We've paid well over a billion euros for the M50. Uh, we're calling for the government to get rid of the, the toll, uh, as there's no need for it anymore, he says. Tolls across the country made millions of euros last year, with the M1 Dundalk toll, the highest, uh, the highest earner, 32 million uh, euros. It was followed by the Kilcock, Kilgate, I think it is, uh, at three, uh, 31 million, and the Dublin Port Tunnel, 22 million. So there's a lot of money being made on the tolls. And obviously... You know, he is making a, a, a you know, not a song and dance about it, but making an issue of it. But I've never read of any of the, you know, the users complaining about it. Well, I haven't read of any of the users complaining. Right, and this is, uh, I find this of interest personally. Analysis of the 2021 20, uh, census, you know, around 2021, that Ireland uh, is now the fifth largest provider of migrants to England and Wales, dropping from the number one most people uh, well, where I came from, anyway, most people just went across the water, as we say. They just shot over to England. Uh, you know, t- most people went over to work. Family men left their their, their families behind, uh, and then they shoot over to you know, London, Liverpool, or wherever, and uh, you know, come back every six, seven weeks or something like that. There, but it was mostly because of unemployment that go over. They, they got a job, and it was really that was kind of normal, very normal. And uh, so I was surprised that uh, a lot of you know. The Irish numbers have dropped considerably, and that's to England and Wales. Isn't it amazing? Nearly a third of the 500,000 usual residents who identified their ethnic group as white Irish, whatever that's supposed to mean, were uh, 65 years and over, substantially older than the overall population of England and Wales, which is nearly a fifth. 
uh, were in the in this in that age group. A higher percentage of white Irish females were aged at 65 and over, uh, compared with males, etc., who were 28%. According to the the survey, the three most common non-UK countries of birth for usual residents in uh, 2021 were India, Poland, Pakistan, and Ireland is fifth behind Romania. So the number of well, says a lot for you know basically the European Union, uh, you know the the movement of people, the uh, you know the multiculturalism of the place taken over in the last twenty odd years, I suppose. And this is uh, from the Belfast Telegraph. This is kind of disturbing, really. Keep Irish out of our kids' uh, classrooms. Uh, this is the Irish language we're talking about here. A country down primary school has emphasised the importance of respect after a post saying keep Irish out of our kids' classrooms was uh, nailed to the ground on the, you know, the railings. Not on the ground, but it was put on the railings. A signature also noted that it was from the parents, whoever they may be. And the Palmerston North, uh, Palmerston North, the Police Society of Northern Ireland have confirmed it's investigating the issue as a sectarian hate crime, which it, which it is. It is a hate crime. Uh, the sign also contained a reference to another you know, primary school in New York saying they were not welcome. Uh, a primary school in, Car- in uh, Clough, which is not an Irish language school, but offers lessons for those seeking to learn, it said. Uh, they became aware of the sign on Monday and it, was, and it was immediately removed. A lot of this Irish language is, I don't think it's compulsory. It's just a subject that they can teach at uh, the schools. In a statement to the newspaper, uh, we are aware of a post that was displayed on school grounds on Monday, January the 30th. Uh, being aware, the poster was immediately removed. The, Parma, the Police Society of Northern Ireland and other relevant have been notified and therefore it will be inappropriate to comment any further. We support the ethos of education where young people of all abilities, traditions and backgrounds are educated in a caring and nurturing learning environment which, res- which has respect for others, uh, which, is, which is paramount. Uh, Sinn Féin MP Chris Hazard slammed the poster as a clear attempt to intimidate school children. It's totally disgraceful that a sign attacking children learning the Irish language have been placed outside a, a local school. There's no place in our society for racist threats, and this sign is a clear attempt to intimidate school children. It's particularly sinister and worrying that this sign has, uh, has named a local school. Those responsible should, uh, should stop now, and I urge anyone with information to get in touch with the police. Um, a local councillor, Hugh Gallagher, he said, whoever was behind the poster does not speak for the people of the of the town. It's really disheartening that a school in our area has been targeted in this way. There's no place for sectarianism within our society. And it's uh, uh, particularly disappointing that this has happened here, where I know a lot of, lot amount of good cross-community and interagency work that goes on. People are, get, trying, are do getting get along and, you know, make the community work. I have a liaison with the police around this incident and they are continuing to investigate who was behind this. It's the first incident of, uh, of, of this uh, nature and we have seen it in, uh, we have not seen it in this area for a long time. It was during the Troubles, so there was lots of stuff like that, you know, sort of hate messages that were printed all over the schools and over the streets, you know, mostly anti-Catholic, a lot of it. And there was some stuff that was anti-Protestant, but the vast majority was anti-Catholic because everybody that was a Catholic was deemed to be a member of the Irish Republican Army. And here's another little bit of, uh, I found this, the driverless bus set to shuttle people around this, uh, the Titanic area in the city centre of Belfast. 
Uh, new driverless bus shuttle is to be piloted in the, the Belfast Titanic area. The, the 11 million uh, Highland project will be launched next year by the Belfast Harbour with funding from Innovate UK. The automatic passenger service will provide the last mile of con- connectivity from uh, the Titanic Quarter Railway Station to the, the Sands Park in Queen's Island. That's where the Titanic was actually built. It will uh, um, transport uh, residents, visitors and employees to venues such as the Titanic Belfast and the, the Metropolitan College. Partners working with the Belfast Harbour to develop the service include uh, REE Automotive, uh, chassis designer Huber Hamaria, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, and uh, a number of other foreign sort of companies or you know, European companies. And it's been awarded uh, five and a half uh, million pounds from Innovate New, uh, UK, which is working with the Centre for Connected and Autonomous Vehicles to invest 41 million in similar projects across the UK. The UK. So this is, seems to be a bit of a first in Belfast by the sound of it. Belfast Harbour, uh, Mike Dawson said, we have a long track record of delivering and supporting innovation. So we were delighted to be establishing the uh, UK's first, yes it was, operational ready and commercially viable deployment of a fully automated shuttle service. This announcement supports our smart port ambitions and shows our commitment to the development of Belfast's innovation district. The, the city's innovation district has enormous potential for growth and we at Belfast Harbour want to play our part. Electrified, connected and uh, automated vehicles offer uh, a route to provide clean, efficient and affordable transport that uh, goes with net zero targets and provides connectivity to other modes of uh, transport. Uh, the business sector, Grand Shop, this is uh, in London, Westminster, the Conservative man. In just a few years' time, the business of self-driving could add tens, tens of billions to our economy and create tens of thousands of jobs across the UK. This is a massive opportunity to drive forward our priority to grow the economy, which we are determined to do. Good luck to you in serving a party of big trouble. Transport Secretary Mark Harper, self-driving vehicles, including buses, will uh, possibly transform people's everyday lives, making it easier to get around, access vital service, and improve regional uh, connections. We're supporting and investing in the, the safe rollout of this incredible technology to help maximise its fuel potential. Belfast Harbour has a £250 million, pounds, yes, £250 million pound, five-year investment programme in infrastructure and real estate projects with the aim of becoming an economic hub for the region as well as a world-leading port. Because all this stuff is obviously worked it out by now. It's uh, in the harbour, you know, in the harbour, in the, the centre of Belfast itself. So it's going to be good on them. I think it's incredibly good. A lot of those yeah, driverless vehicles, you see a lot of them in sort of a lot of Asian countries and in some other European Union countries. Okay, for something completely different now. It's, it's hard to imagine a group of burly prisoners all sitting together crocheting, but it's happening. An appeal from a hospital has led to prisoners in Northern Ireland uh, crocheting tiny hats for premature babies, blankets for the elderly and scarves for the homeless community. Uh, Her Majesty's Prison in Rockabarry, prisoners have learnt some of the most complicated stitches. They have made more than 80 items to donate to hospitals, nursing homes and homeless charities. Prison officer uh, Melanie Green hosts weekly crochet classes with the group dubbed The Stitch and the Time Gang. 
Well, we've been crushing for quite a while now. It began with a colleague highlighted an appeal that Craig Avon Hospital for Tiny Hats for Premature Babies. The president wanted to help, and when I said I could teach them how to crochet, they jumped at it. The group began with basic crochet skills, but now have now have all mastered the chain stitch, the slip knot, uh, trebles and doubles. One of the prisoners said it had helped helped him with the anxiety and depression. It has boosted my confidence, and if you do something out of it, especially when you know it's helping a child, uh, it, it makes you feel better within yourself. Uh, the prison governor, David Silvage, said it was an important group. Rehabilitation is a major part of prisons today, and there are many ways in which we engage and challenge those uh, to change, in our care to change. So that is really, I thought that was interesting and really good news that they're actually, you know, doing something for the public good, etc., etc., and helping children and sort of sort of homeless people, really, with, uh, you know, scarves and warm clothing of some, uh, well, crochet uh, scarves. So good on them. Right. More than half of Northern Ireland's £600 energy voucher letters have now been redeemed. Yes, redeemed. Up to 500,000 households are set to receive vouchers, which can only be cashed, uh, only at post offices only. More than 250,000 have been redeemed uh, since the toll began just uh, over two weeks ago. So that's good. The £600 energy vouchers are to be um, to help homes across Northern Ireland struggling with the cost of living, power bills. An additional £400 support was announced in May and then a further 200 was added because of the high proportion of homes in Northern Ireland that use home heating oil. The vouchers are being posted out in uh, uh, trenches, which started in January and will end at the end of this month, February. External Affairs Manager at the Post Office, Mike Gibson, said the rollout is on track. The plan is based around managing cash flows within branches and managing queues. So you want to keep that plan as close as possible to you know keep it going well as it has started to go well. We're uh, we are sitting on any uh, vouchers. We are sitting on any vouchers we dispatch uh, to that plan, and we do expect the rest of the, the population to pick up and come in and collect that with their you know, their energy bills, well, the, the money to help cruise through their energy bills. Northern Ireland's latest electricity supplier, uh, Power New Northern Ireland, said more than 412 customers had received their voucher, either by direct debit or in the post. Uh, Budget Energy said more than 73,000 of which had been issued according to the majority of their customers, with 57,000 of those being cashed out. Electric Ireland has not yet responded. That's interesting. Uh, once a voucher has been received, customers have until the end of May to redeem it. Those who pay their electricity by monthly direct debit won't receive a letter. Instead, the 600 people automatically paid into their bank account and then they pay their power bill. So that is good news for people who are uh, struggling and there are many people like that who are struggling to pay their power bills in this country as well as uh, a lot of other European countries or most of the developed world really. Anyway, something for completely different again. Today is St. Bridget's Day, generally one of the most helpful days of the year, hopeful days of the year, I should say, in normal times, and none so more than this year. St. Bridget's Day, which lands on February the 1st each year, marks the first day of spring in the Gaelic uh, calendar and the beginning of the end of the cold, dark days experienced throughout the winter. Held mid, uh, midway between the, the winter and spring uh, equinox, St. Bridges Day has been celebrated by the Irish for centuries. 
Before Ireland was a Christian country, it is believed to have celebrated the pagan goddess Bridget and was also known as Imbolic, I think that's how you say that. One of four um, Gaelic seasonal festivals, the other three being... Oh, I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry. Three other names anyway, all in Gaelic. But who exactly was St. Bridget? And why do the Irish celebrate St. Bridget's Day? And how is it they traditionally celebrate it? Well, St. Bridget is one of Ireland's three patron saints, along with St. Patrick and St. Colm Keel, and is the only woman patron saint. Bridget, uh, as she is known in the Irish language, had a humble beginning. Born into slavery in Dundalk in the year 451, she is known to have helped spread Christianity in Ireland thanks to the many miracles attributed to her. In fact, she was so prominent in Ireland's early Christianity that she is believed to have been Ireland's first and only female bishop. Bridget was born to one of Ireland's first Christians, a woman who had apparently been baptised by St. Patrick himself and a wealthy pagan father. After being born into slavery, she was sold back to her father to become his servant. But Bridget showed signs of generosity, compassion and holiness from a very young age. She enraged her father by constantly giving away his riches to those in need and he set out to sell her to the King of Leinster. The king, who was, who was himself a Christian, recognised her holiness, however, and ordered her father to free her from servitude. She would go, to be found, go on to find some several monasteries and a convent in County Kildare, with the legend going that the town of Kildare was built around, while we're here, uh, St. Bridget's uh, sort of presence. She gained your know, prominence. She gained prominence as a devout Christian and miracle worker throughout her life, and with many converting to Christianity thanks to her incredible feats, including her power to turn bathwater into beer. It's a bit weird. Uh, but while the transformation of water into beer certainly made her popular, it was from it was far from her only miracle. So Bridget was also a fierce pr- uh, protector of women, with many legends depicting her of saving innocent women from death, assault, or being framed, and even on one occasion healing two girls uh, mutinous, making them be able to speak again. One miracle attributed to uh, St. Bridget, which would shock some Catholics today, was when she was performed a form of blessed abortion. A nun failed in her view, in her view, vow of chastity had fallen pregnant. Wow, a nun had fallen pregnant. So it goes that Bridget blessed the woman's uh, womb and the fetus disappeared without coming to birth and without pain. Bridget, from pagan goddess to uh, Christian saint, she, is, uh, you know, she was something else. Bridget herself wore, swore a life of chastity, promising her virginity to God, and as I said, you have angered the men. One man has said you have told her that the, the beautiful eye with her head would be betrothed to a man through, though she, she would be betrothed through you like it, or, you should be betrothed whether you like it or not. Uh, she then predicted that the man who had called out to her would suffer both his eyes bursting into his head. This happened immediately. His eyes just boom after he made those comments about her eyes. Incredibly, Bridget took her vows of chastity. Her own uh, missing eye returned to the to her as though it had never been lost. Wow, that's amazing. But the most famous miracle attributed to St. Bridget and the one most often uh, told is how she secured the land for which she went on to build a convent. According to the legend, St. Bridget met with the King of Leicester. 
Leinster. And as for uh, the land, stating that the place where she stood was the, the perfect place for convent. The king was patronising of uh, Bridget, laughed at her and refused. Bridget prayed to God, asking him to soften the king's heart. And God spoke back to her. Bridget then asked the king again if he would gift her his uh, much land as her cloak would, uh, would cover. Laughing at Bridget's small cloak, the king agreed. But when Bridget's four sisters took the cloak and began turning it in circles with it, it grew and spread. And uh, it covered all the land, and the good king passed it on to her. So that's, uh, you know, Bridget is, and Bridget, very, you know, she's well known in Ireland, but I don't think she's that well known outside of Ireland, basically, you know. So people say, oh, it's St. Bridget, St. Bridget's Cross, etc. Ireland celebrates St. Bridget's Day. Uh, with, a, with a number of firmly held traditions. Despite Bridget living close to 1,500 years ago, many of these traditions are still observed today in Ireland. The most famous of these traditions are the making of the St. Bridget's Cross, like I said. A new cross made of fresh rushes or reeds, which children are taught how to make at school. Traditionally, before St. Bridget's Day, these crosses were made in schools, communities and private homes across the Ireland before they are brought to the church to be blessed. That's right. I've got one myself. My sister sent me. It was blessed in uh, Lisburn, just out of Belfast. The crosses are then hung in people's homes where they are believed to bring good luck and prevent fire and hunger of those inside. The crosses hang for a year until new St. Bridget's crosses are created the following year. The old ones are then burnt in a fire. On the eve of St. Bridget's Day, households across Ireland leave some clothing outside of their home in the hope that it will be blessed by St. Bridget. These items of uh, clothing can include a cloak or a shawl or some sort to reflect Bridget's miracle with a cloak in Kildare, like we said, the convent. It is said that uh, the clothes which are left outside on St. Bridget's, uh, Bridget's Eve would then be imbued with healing powers and should be wrapped around a sick or injured person or an animal. There you go, St. Bridget's Day, and it's just um, a really important day. And uh, what I got here is going to... There's something here. I meant to read it out last week. It was just I was infuriated by the the whole episode. Yes, here we go. It's a video I saw. Um, the police are investigating a disturbing a disturbing video showing a donkey being dragged by a car in County Offaly. Guardian investigating an incident of animal cruelty after a donkey was tied to a car and dragged by its feet along a road. You know, it was on by the side of the road in the ground, but it was absolutely horrendous to watch. Uh, it shows the animal, which was uh, tied by its head with a rope to the back of a silver car, being pulled along a grassy verge that is uh, covered in frost. It was sort of winter time. This is about two or three weeks ago this happened. As the animal is dragged, someone here is a woman who captured the video. Come here, shouting at her, stop, what, what's wrong with you? Uh, to my lovely horse rescue, Charlie, shared the, uh, the footage on t- uh, Twitter with a message calling on the police and the local authorities to take action. The charity also confirmed that one of his volunteers witnessed the incident and has given an official statement to the police. Shocking and dis- uh, depressing. Eden Derry, uh, poor helpless donkey. Guardy Commissioner Drew uh, Harris, uh, we want justice for our animals. We will not let this go. And they're not going to let it go. It's going to court. And uh, I just think, I mean, the little short video was just... I was distressing and I'm just angry of people doing that. How they, you know, it's how they treat animals. God knows how they treat human beings. It, says, it speaks volumes for them. I'd like to see them, you know, any kind of 
justice on a rafting where a rope to be hung around there and actually to be dragged back high along the side of the road for a short period just to see how they feel about it. Anyway, that's, that's a bit extreme, I know, but it's, uh, it was just, it was just some, something to just nod on. Anyway, that's me for this week, so take care and enjoy the weather. It's a bit wet and, uh, at the moment, but man, is it warm. Okay? Take care. Okay? And God bless. See ya. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.